0: Little commercial here at the front. If you are not a part of a life group, then you have not yet had the experience that I had last night. Last night we had, uh, I don't know, 25 people, 30 people. I'm not sure how many it was who came to our home. We had some of our folks that were gone and we had a chance to pray for them, but we had several other people that were there, of course, and numerous families gathered in our living room. We had a meal together. And we prayed together, we sang together, we shared together, uh, we ate again together. And uh, we were there from 5.30 until, oh, I don't know, 9.15, 9.30 or something like that. About four hours or so people were at our house last night. In fact, I felt like people left a little bit early last night. They, things to do, I guess. And, and so, you know, it didn't even uh, last as long as it sometimes does. And it was just such a blessing to be together. And so if you're not part yet of a life group, I want to encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity in our church family and to become part of one is absolutely a wonderful experience. Like with all honesty, it's one of the, the richest, most wonderful experiences that I have going on in my life right now to be a part of that group. And I just encourage you to be a part of one if you're not. In our life groups, we have been focusing on the ministry of Jesus going through the Gospels, looking at different stories. We looked at another story about Christ last night and some of his teaching. And one of the things that comes up, of course, as you study the life of Jesus, is the whole question about healing. Because Jesus was one who healed people. You don't have to turn there right now, but if you were to turn to Matthew 4.23, for example... There are three aspects to the ministry of Jesus in Matthew 4.23. It says that he went about teaching in the synagogues, preaching the kingdom of God, and healing the people's diseases. And if you looked at Matthew 9.35, you would find exactly the same thing. In fact, it's interesting that 4.23 and 9.35 both kind of come on the heels of the Sermon on the Mount. So you've got Jesus with a large section of teaching in the middle there, but on the ends of that, doing a lot of healing. And there are stories constantly about Jesus... Healing people in the Gospels. Now that, of course, is interesting because of the way that this impacts our lives. And we've experienced it already this morning. We've already had a person this morning who has uh, a mother who is in dire circumstances here in Calgary. Gloria, we prayed for her mother, Lois, I think, this morning already. And, And Gloria and Lois are not the only ones who are faced with this kind of circumstance where prayers are called for and healing is hoped for, and we wonder what God is going to do with that. Scripture then, the stories of Jesus and his healing of people, calls us to reflect on this, and our experience does too. Robin and I are dealing with this right now because of her mother's situation. Robin's mother is in uh, perfect health. Physically, she's uh, 79, I think, uh, is about, uh, about to turn 79. Physically, uh, her doctor has said she could live to 100. But she's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so the chances of my mother-in-law making it to 90... Are probably not very good. And we'd like to have her around longer. I have a new grandchild on the way. I don't know how long his or her great grandparents are going to be around. But I would love to have his or her great grandparents around for a long time. And for them to have a chance to spend time with their great grandchild. The question is, what is God going to do with our prayers? It's not just our family that faces this kind of thing. I just very quickly started thinking about people here who've been facing circumstances like this or have faced it in the past. Elda Moriarty. Diane Rubel. Drew Clark. Those are at least three circumstances in which we specifically prayed. It didn't go exactly our way. What do we do with that? And then there's Terry Harkness and Shirley Nyros and Robin Carter. Who faced circumstances about which we prayed and it turned out exactly the opposite of those others that we mentioned. And God apparently came and interceded and did something in those circumstances. And in those times we say, "Well, God, you acted. Jesus acted. He answered our prayers. Did He not answer the prayers in the other cases?" And then the fact is is that either now, unbeknownst to me, or at some point, maybe in the near future, I hope I'm not a prophet. Somebody among us is going to be faced with some other circumstance. And we're going to be asking the question, what about me now? And my prayers. What is God going to do with that? Now, as I reflect on all of that, and just think about the reality of that situation. And I think, our, both, again, both our experience and scripture does something here for us. We have to a, a challenge there for us to wrestle through. And as I reflect on all of that, and I think about kind of an honest appraisal, I look at it like this, and I I think this just makes sense. Jesus healed many people and performed many miracles. True or not true? True. He certainly did. Jesus healed people. He performed a lot of miracles. That tells me some things about Jesus. Also, he told his followers that greater things than he had done, they would do. And so we can read John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That's interesting. Jesus did some rather spectacular things, like raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus came out of the grave. Jesus fed 5,000 people with very little food. The text says, that they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Well, that's got to give you some pause to think. So he told his followers that greater things than he had done, they would do. Thirdly, he sent the disciples out to do the same as what he himself had been doing. Look at this passage from Matthew chapter 10. As you go proclaim this message, he's telling the disciples as he sends them out. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. He says to the disciples, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. I see a challenge in that as well. Now, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but there's a sense in which I get to be start thinking a little bit uncomfortably about this, because these are some significant challenges from Christ, where he is saying, I want you to go do what I've been doing. And my impression is that he gives us, in fact, the power to do that. So he sent the disciples out to do the same as what he'd been doing. And then the apostles and the early church actually did perform miracles in the name of Christ. We won't read these passages today, but this is astounding. You read in Acts chapter 3, the story of the man at the beautiful gate. And Peter and John are going in to pray. And there's a man there who, by the way, apparently has no faith. But asks for something and Peter turns to him and says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Walk. And he does. In Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 43, you can read both the stories of Aeneas and Tabitha and how Jesus heals one and raises the other. It's a mate, or sorry, Jesus, Peter, heals one and raises the other. And it's incredible the way that God is obviously working in the lives of the disciples, the apostles. And this isn't just Jesus himself doing it. He's working in the lives of human beings. As far as I can tell from church history, Peter was a human being. As far as I can tell from church history, Paul was a human being. But these men did things in the name of Christ, and it's astounding to me that this happens. Not to mention all that, there's also spiritual gifts given to the church in order to facilitate healing. And so we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and a couple of different times in that passage it specifically mentions the gift of healing and says, this is a gift to the church to allow you to heal. Wow. Like that's fairly significant, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who have had any experience with sickness or illness, or those in your family who have been sick or ill, you start thinking about these kinds of issues. The church has some power in order to see this happen within us. This is amazing. But, we simply do not see miracles of healing performed today at any great rate. We do not see the dead raised. At least I haven't. Maybe you have. Maybe your experience is different from mine. But my experience is that despite all these scriptures that we just looked at, all those things in the Bible that point in that direction, from what I can tell... People aren't raised from the dead today. And the fact is that we simply don't see miracles performed at any great rate. And I would love to say that we did. I'd like to think that all the people that we've prayed for in our church congregation end up healed. But the fact is is that you and I know that that's not the case. And so I've got a lot of scriptural evidence here. I've got the presence of the Holy Spirit here. I've got the promises of God. I've got the presence of Jesus. And I'm wondering, as we're just honest this morning, what we do with all of that. Well, our perspectives on healing today and our explanation for what we experience often take one of two paths. Because that's what we do. We start to wrestle with this. How am I going to answer this dilemma? It doesn't happen very often among us, and yet scripture keeps pointing in that direction. And we tend to take two kind of roads of explanation here. The first one is this. We think that we do not receive miracles and healings as frequently because of our lack of faith. We hear that all the time. If you turn on TV and people talk about some TV preachers going to give an explanation for why this doesn't happen, he most often or oftentimes is going to say, it's because we don't believe. I don't know if you've ever heard that said to somebody you loved that was sick. Or if somebody has ever said that to you. But there's something that just makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when I hear that. How is it that we evaluate someone else's faith and tell them the reason you're not healed is because you simply don't have enough faith. That's a scary kind of answer to me. And one that I personally find not just insufficient, but maybe intolerable. Here's the second kind of answer. The spiritual gift of healing and God's cho- choice to bless the church in this way has been withdrawn in the post-apostolic age. Which simply means when the apostles died out, these kind of things happen. That's why they don't happen today. They don't happen at the same rate with any kind of frequency because when the apostles died out, the Holy Spirit ceased to work in that way in the church. And quite honestly, I find that also a rather insufficient answer. Partially because, all of, this, uh, because of all of the scriptures that I just read. A while ago, just a few minutes ago, those ones that were talking about how when we pray, God will answer our prayers. There seems to me to be no s- scriptural specific reason why healing has to have ended in the apostolic age. Personally, I just don't buy that argument. So again, we're a little bit in a dilemma here. I'm going to have to wrestle with what we're going to do with this. And so this morning, that's what I want to do very quickly here. A better, in Kelly's opinion, and that's always left up to interpretation. A better, perhaps more biblical perspective when it comes to the question of healing and what we experience today and what we see scripture says about this whole subject. First of all, if the Father, Son, and Spirit were vitally interested in miracles constantly occurring today, God could and would do them more often. That's my opinion. Like it seems to me if God was really interested, if that was his priority for healing to take place on a more constant basis than it does now, it seems to me like it would. And here are some reasons for that. God still has the power to heal. There isn't anything in my Bible that makes me think that he is either dead or gone away or has been weakened. And so I think that God still has the ability to heal. Now, my own opinion is, in fact, that he still does. He has that ability. Secondly, there are people of faith who pray for this constantly. We did just a moment ago. Now, if something happens and things don't turn out the way we want them to with the prayers that we made this morning... I am not going to conclude it was because you didn't have enough faith or because I didn't. I don't think that's the reason. I would say that people actually pray constantly for good things to happen to people who are sick and it doesn't necessarily go the way we want it to to go. That just happens. So there are people of faith who pray for this constantly and I can't begin to say the reason that these people don't get healed is because the people praying for them don't have enough faith. Thirdly, many times in scripture, Christ and the church healed when there was no faith the man at the beautiful gate is a perfect example of that but jesus it happens to him all the time he comes into a city some demoniac gets up and starts yelling at him and jesus heals the person well i don't think the demon is inside screaming to be healed and the man is taken over by the demon and jesus heals them anyway despite the fact that they have no faith so we can't just say well this is a faith issue that doesn't really work. So if the father son and spirit were virtually were vitally interested in miracles constantly occurring, it seems to me that they would because God can and there are people who are still praying and faithfulness, I don't think that's necessarily the problem. And so I'm led to think that perhaps God and this might shock you that God is not actually as interested in our physical healing and even our welfare in terms of things just being absolutely wonderful for us as we might think that he is secondly that miracles don't constantly happen today doesn't mean they don't or won't happen or that he should that we shouldn't expect or hope for them it is true i think that miracles healings don't happen as much as we would like them to happen but just because that's the case doesn't mean i don't think i can't find anything in scripture that points in this direction that we should stop hoping that we should stop praying that we should even expect god in fact to heal because he's capable of doing so now he may choose not to But from what I can tell, he expects us, he wants us to continue to pray. In fact, to come to him over and over again, I think, with the same requests, perhaps for years, asking for the healing of those we love and also for our own. I think God expects that. In fact, I would say that he may well choose to answer exactly that prayer. When healing happens, God is responsible for it. Isn't that the case? Sometimes we don't see it happen in a miraculous way, but indeed he does heal. And we see it happen all the time that healing takes place. Who are you going to give credit to besides God? I think God's the one responsible for that. God may choose to grant us a miracle. He indeed may. He may intercede and do something and give us a miracle. And so I think we should keep praying. And it's important that we pray with faith for healing miracles. And so we need to continue to have faith in God and what he's doing. But then third. It is clear in the New Testament that physical healing, it seems to me, and physically sustaining miracles were never the chief focus of Jesus. And I think that the answer to the question really comes down to this, more than anything else. When I ask the question, what is God's focus in the big picture of things? I'm not sure that your and my physical healing is his number one priority. Now on the one hand, that almost sounds calloused. You mean God wants little babies to be sick? God wants people to have cancer and to go through extreme pain and die? Is that what you're saying? And of course the answer is no. I don't think God wants that. I think God wants his children to be blessed And happy. I just don't think that our definition of blessing and our definition of happiness is necessarily God's definition of blessing and happiness. I don't know that our physical healing and the physically sustaining miracles that Jesus could do are really the chief focus of his ministry when it comes to who we are. And what life is all about for us. And so if you said, well, do you really think that God does not have my healing as his number one priority? As calloused as it might seem, the answer I think is yes. He doesn't have that as his highest priority. And it seems to me that there's biblical evidence for just exactly that. Look at this. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Now, the reason that they're all looking for him is because he, the day before, had been healing everybody. And he had healed so many people that they flocked from the towns, from the communities to where Jesus was. And there were thousands of people there, my impression is. They're coming to Jesus to be healed. Jesus goes out to pray in a solitary place and they go out and they find it and they say, what are you doing? How can you be out here by yourself praying when there are throngs looking for you to be healed? Now, notice what the text does with this. It doesn't say that at that point, Jesus said, oh, you're right. I need to go heal all of them. And then he goes to that town and stays there and heals. That doesn't happen. Jesus could have gone to that town, sat down, started healing people, and been healing them the rest of his ministry. They would have just kept coming. He doesn't do that. In fact, Jesus, if he wanted, could have said, well, I don't have to go to heal anybody. They don't have to come to me. Let's just heal them all. And the fact is that Jesus could do the same thing right now. This is what bothers me about the faith healers. They're so convinced that Jesus wants to heal everybody, and so they have these big productions where they get on stage and they do the TV thing and they bring all these people before them in order to be healed. If they really want to heal people and they think that God really wants to use them to do so, don't go on stage. Go to the hospital. Heal them there. Go to the millions of people in the world who need physical healing and go heal them. Don't go on my television set and make a big production and ask for all this money and say that you're going to heal people there. That doesn't make any sense at all. Would a true healer of God, somebody who really wants to heal people for the sake of Christ, go on television and heal a few hundred people in an audience when there are millions of people around the world that they could heal? doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I think that's because Jesus didn't have this as his highest priority. Everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. And that's not the only text that says things like that. John 10.10 says, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. It doesn't say he came to heal. He came to have give them life and life to the full. He doesn't define that necessarily. I get the impression, though, that it's a long ways from just physical healing. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. In John 12.46, it says, I've come into the world's light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. John 9.39 says, For judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. That last one is so interesting. I came so that the blind will see. And that those basically who are blinded won't see. That's amazing to me. Clearly, the emphasis of Jesus is not on the physical healing of human beings. Not his emphasis. It may be that he's interested in that. But as he's interested in that, it's a side kind of light to his ministry. And here's my point. Jesus' chief concern is that people be in relationship with him and with his father. And this is not ultimately dependent upon Physical health. Isn't that true? Like what does God want for us? I don't think that the answer is that he's most concerned about our physical health. What God wants more than anything else is for you to be in relationship with him. And that is not dependent upon your physical well-being. Now, in some sense, it is. And I don't want to give the impression that God, that Christ doesn't care about this. Of course he does. He loves people. He wants good things to happen to people. But all the indications point in the direction of this not being his highest priority. Now, there are times when physical healing gets his attention. But even in the instances where people receive physical healing, it's not necessarily faith-producing, and Jesus himself has problems with that. Jesus knows that a focus on physical healing, while valuable for getting people's attention, and it does, does not necessarily lead to lasting faith. When miracles happen apart from faith, they often don't lead to profound faith. You think of the instances in the gospel where Jesus healed somebody and said, now, whatever you do, don't go tell anybody. He's giving that person a command. Don't go tell. And they do. They simply violate the teachings of Jesus on that one and they go and they tell. And I don't really get that. Except maybe for this human reality, and Jesus makes it so clear. Look at this in John 6. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, and we're talking here about Jesus performing many miracles, including the feeding of the 5,000. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Do you notice what his reaction is to their reaction to his healing? He doesn't see this as a positive thing. He doesn't go, whoa, I've convinced them. I did some miracles, I performed some healings, and now they're on the right track. Instead, exactly the opposite is the the case. And it looks like what Jesus did in healing to them has actually taken them down a wrong road. And that's not the fault of Christ, of course. It's the fault of the people, because that's what we do. We don't always recognize the spiritual wisdom that needs to be there in response to what God is doing. John 6, 25 and 27, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. Do you see the difference in why people come to God and what they really want out of him and what he's doing? So on one occasion, he feeds 5,000 people. On another occasion, he feeds 4,000 people. Crowds throng around him constantly so that they can even let a man down through a roof because they can't get into the house in order to get to Jesus and have him heal. So they take the roof off and lower him down because the crowd is just too big. They're constantly touching him. So as he walks through a crowd, people are reaching out and grabbing the hem of his garment. And he doesn't even know what's going on. He says, somebody touched me. And you can imagine that it was happening all the time. There are throngs around Jesus because he is healing people. But let me ask you this. At the end, after the crucifixion, in Acts chapter 1, after his death, and people aren't exactly sure about what's going on now, where now are the crowds? In Acts chapter 1, Luke, the writer, tells us that there are 120 people huddled in a room for fear of the Jews cowering away in one sense. But my point is that there's 120 There were 5,000 people who got food. There were 4,000 people that got food. There were throngs that were healed. They're letting people down through the roof. They can't get into the place because it's so crowded. There are 120 people left. Because that's what we do. And I think that's... I think it makes the point of why God is not so concerned about our physical healing. I just don't think that we have our understanding of what God is trying to do right and what his priorities are. Now, it may be that you would like to experience physical healing for something that's happening with you. We have that happening in our own family right now. I would love it if God was to decide To heal my mother-in-law. Oh, that'd be so nice. I mean, I I, I won't catalog all the things this morning that would make that pleasant for my family's life if we wouldn't have to go through the experience of having to deal with her Alzheimer's over the next few years. I don't know what God's going to do with that. I just don't. It may be that we will pray and he will heal her. It's happened before. There are people in this audience who have prayed for things, and God has blessed you, and you've been healed. And I pray it happens in this case, and whatever circumstance you're thinking about right now, I pray it happens for you. But if it doesn't, we're going to get through that. We're going to get through that because I know that ultimately, that is not God's priority for my mother-in-law it wasn't his priority for Elda Moriarty it wasn't his priority for Diane Rubel it wasn't his priority for Drew Clark ultimately their physical well-being did not matter Our society lies to us and says that we're supposed to be beautiful. Our society lies to us and says we're all supposed to be smart. Our society lies and says we're all supposed to be financially successful. Our society lies to us and says all these good things are just supposed to shower down upon us constantly. And my experience at 52 is that sometimes it just isn't so. And that there are good people of faith who don't get everything that they pray for. And it's because God doesn't have that as his highest priority. What Jesus makes clear for us daily. And what he makes so clear in the gospel. Is that what he wants is for you in whatever circumstances you find yourself. To love him. To give yourself completely to him. To be in relationship to him. Whether my body is functioning well or not.